thank you, thank you. Yeah, Simon and I have heard each other's sermons so often now that we can tell them better than we can tell them ourselves. So uh, I correct Simon now when he tells a story about himself, and uh, he does likewise to me. We've heard them so often. So, guys, it's great to be with you this morning. And um, we, we had a, a kind of an unusual first service where Holy Spirit came and did some unusual things. So I just want to encourage you to just ratchet up your expectation and for us to just be open to what he wants to do among us this morning. There's such a beautiful sense of God's presence here right now. And uh, how many of you can just sense the nearness of God to you, just where you're seated? Should we just take a moment to pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <sighs> Father, we thank you for your presence in this room. Lord, we love your nearness. Thank you that we were made to be a people of your presence. Thank you, God, where your glory is, that's where we're most at home. Thank you, we're glory carriers. Thank you, we're going to be in the presence of glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and it's never going to get old. Thank you that each day is going to be better than the one that went before. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you're writing the great story. It's the never-ending story, the story of us, your people, saved by the blood of Jesus rescued and brought into family, enjoying the grace of God for the aeons of time. Lord, we thank you that we are a people of your presence. Oh, we just love your glory in this room right now. We just honor you. We honor you. We just say, come and get us again. <laughs> come and get us again, Lord. Come and touch our hearts. Fill us afresh. Thank you that your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Just for you're seated right now, just ask him, say, Holy Spirit, I want to taste and see you again. Come and fill me afresh. Come and fill me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, turn up the temperature again in our lives. Deliver us from being settlers. Draw us into the pursuit of your presence every day. We long for more. We long for more. Thank you, Lord. If you're just sensing the presence of God resting on you right now, why don't you just stand where you are? Maybe you're just physically feeling sense of his presence on your body. Maybe you're, just, maybe you're feeling emotional, you've no idea why. <laughs> maybe all manner of things. It's not that God's not moving on you if you're not feeling anything, but sometimes we just start where we can see the evidence of God working. And So if you're near someone who's standing right now, why don't you just put a hand on their shoulder just stand with them. Just pray for more. Just pray for more. Just pray for more. Ask him for more. Say more, Holy Spirit. More, Holy Spirit. God, turn up the temperature in this church. Turn up the temperature, Lord. God, we're not looking back at the good old days. We thank you that there are glory days to come. Thank you that history is being written. 
thank you our futures are being written even in this moment as the glory comes. Would you say, come Holy Spirit, touch us afresh. God, would you begin to unlock fresh prophetic wells? Unlock fresh prophetic wells. Just say, be unblocked in the name of Jesus. Just speak to stagnant waters. We say, be refreshed in the name of Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit, come and renew your people. Come and renew your people. If you're here this morning and you just felt, you felt stuck for a while, just stand. Just stand where you are. If you just felt a bit stuck, if you feel like I've not encountered God for a long time, just stand where you are. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're courageous enough, just stand. If you know, God, I want more of you in my life. Just stand where you are. Just put a hand up just where you are. We're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Lord, come on every heart that feels stuck. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. You always lead us to green pastures for your name's sake. And so, Father, right now, I pray for an encounter with the good shepherd. An encounter with the good shepherd. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you to green pastures. He lays a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. Let the good shepherd encounter you afresh this morning in the name of Jesus. Come and drink deeply. Come and drink deeply. Whoo! Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Again, if you're just thirsty for more of Him, just encourage you just to respond to Him wherever you are. Come. Let the thirsty, let the thirsty be filled this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. If this is unusual to you, if you're not sure what's going on, you don't need to worry. People respond to God in all sorts of different ways. It can be loud, it can be quiet. When we encounter a living God, things happen. We say, come, Spirit of God, touch us afresh. Touch us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, break us out of the norm. God, break us into, Lord, fresh prophetic moments with you. Come, Spirit of God. Just pray for a new lease of life right across this room. A new lease of life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Just wherever you are, even if you're sitting down in this room, just put a a hand on the shoulder of someone next to you. Just pray. Pray that this would be a season of fresh encounter with the living God. Just find someone that you're sitting next to and just quickly pray for them. Pray for a season of meeting Jesus in a fresh way. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fresh encounters with the living God. Fresh encounters with the living God. Come, Holy Spirit. 
come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon us. Rest upon us. Fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. No more living on your own resources. It's time to live on heaven's resources. It's time to live on what the Father has for you. There is more. There is always more. He's a good, good Father. There's an everlasting, eternal well of His goodness for you to encounter. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fresh encounters. Fresh encounters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep drinking. Do you know, it's so important sometimes that we learn just to wait upon the Lord. We live in such a fast-paced lifestyle and culture, very often we've forgotten how to wait. Scripture says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Just, just for a few more moments, just wait upon the Lord. Just wait upon Him. Just say, Father, I'm longing for You. I want to taste and see that You're good. Fill me afresh. I'm waiting upon You. Scripture says he fills the hungry with good things. He satisfies your hunger. He renews your youth. Causes you to rise on wings like eagles. Causes you to run and not be weary. To walk and not be faint. wait upon the Lord we love you Holy Spirit we love you Holy Spirit thank you Lord thank you Lord just keep receiving from him just earlier I felt God remind me of a a moment in my life in 1990 October in 1990 I was about 15 years old and uh, a man called Paul Kane prophesied that there would be tokens of revival in the United Kingdom in October 1990. One of my best friends, unbeknownst to Paul Kane, had also prophesied the same thing where I was living in Brighton. He said there'd be tokens of revival in October 1990. And I think, by and large, the UK church was disappointed that revival never came. But certainly where I was, I was in a youth group in Brighton. And for a three-month period, we encountered God's power in a way that I don't think I've ever experienced ever since, where for three months, his presence was so thick, you felt scared and exhilarated all at the same time. I remember 40 people came to Christ in just a few months. There was just this, the scent of his presence in the air, and then it lifted. I just felt the Father reminded me of that encounter earlier. He said, Phil, you tasted the tokens of revival. How about tasting the real thing? 
How about tasting the real thing? I just feel God wants to renew some of us in our passion to believe and pray for revival in this nation. To actually believe for a nation to be changed. A nation cannot be changed unless he turns up. And some of us have downsized our dreams because we got disappointed. I feel like the Father's saying, how about it's time to see the real thing? How about it's time to pick up the tokens and turn it into the real deal in your lifetime? And so if you're here and you know that your heart at one, t- at one point in time has burned, has longed for revival in this nation or maybe another nation, I'd just like you to stand where you are. And I just want us to ask Jesus to freshly birth in us a passion for revival. If you don't know what revival is, revival is just it's those seasons where God just suddenly comes to his people, to a nation. And more happens in a heartbeat than happened in centuries before. The Great Awakening, the Great Revival in the 18th century literally changed this nation from a nation on the brink of revolution. And it, it, it changed this nation forever. Let's just ask him. Let's just ask him. Why don't you lift your hands where you are? Just ask Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. God, come. We, we ask you, would you renew us again in our passion to believe you for the mightiest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that this land has ever seen? Father, we say, look upon the nearly 70 million souls, Lord, in the United Kingdom. God, we, we cry out to you. We say this nation is ripe for a move of God. Lord, we say, look upon the children, the young people who've never heard the name of Jesus preached. Lord, who've never known what it is to live under the fear of God. Who've never known what it is to know your fathering. Father, we say, look at a generation that's been raised by humanism. Have mercy, O God, and visit this nation afresh. God, do something in our day. Do something in our day. We ask you for fire from heaven. God, we ask you, do something that man cannot conjure up, that we cannot do in our own strength. We say, send us the Spirit and send us fire. Send us the Spirit and send us fire. Change this nation, Father. Lord, we ask you, Lord, as this nation looks for answers in in money and looks for answers in secular wisdom, we say, God, bring heavenly wisdom. Do something that comes from you alone, from your hand, O God. Lord, we say, birth in us, revival fire. Father, we repent from downsizing our dreams to accommodate our disappointments. Father, I repent of that in my own life. I repent, Father, of prayerlessness for revival. God, we say, birth in us, fresh fire, oh God. Fresh fire. Father, we say, renew again your fame. Restore again your fame. Your name in this nation. Let your name be on the lips of people in this nation. Let it be the name of Jesus that's in the press. Let it be the name of Jesus that's on YouTube. Let it be the name of Jesus that's on the streets, that's in our schools, that's in our workplaces. We ask you for it in the name of Jesus. God, restore the fame of your name. Oh God, do it again, we pray. Do it again, we pray. We pray for revival fire, not just tokens, but an unquenchable raging fire. Oh God, we say, start with us, O Lord. Start with us, O God. 
kindle something in our hearts. Revive us, Father, for the sake of this nation. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Do it in us, oh God. Baptize us afresh with the Spirit and with fire. Oh, God. Father, we repent of being so timid. We repent of being so afraid. Father, we repent. Lord, we throw off our doubts. We throw it off in the name of Jesus. Father, we pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, sharper than a a double-edged sword, living and active. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have never changed. You are the same. You change not. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. Oh, God. Thank you that your promises is more than we dare ask or imagine. More than we ask or imagine. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Put revival fire in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just see fresh evangelistic fire coming on numbers across this room. I think for some of us, we've, we've, we've lived just afraid so long, but I just feel like the, the gospel is coming. I want to see like the gospel on your lips in a fresh way. If, if, if you just know I'm just longing for fresh evangelistic passion, but also breakthrough, you just raise your hand just where you're either you're seated or you're standard. Standard, that's a good word. <laughs> Again, if, you, if you're near someone, just with their hand in the air, just, just, just pray for them real quick. Let's be, the, let's be the, the church together here. Let's pray. Don't be passive. We're the community of God. If you're near someone with their hand raised, don't leave them on their own. If you're seated right now, this is your chance to get out of your seats and find someone with their hand in the air and just pray for them. Pray. Pray for, pray for the, the, the fire of the mission of God to just freshly come. Shoes of the gospel of peace. Fresh passion for the poor. Passion for the broken. Passion for the subcultures of this world. Passion for young people. Passion for the, the bankers. Passion for the financiers. Passion for the businessmen and women. Passion for the, the woman that works across the desk from you. Passion. Evangelistic fire. Father, come, renew us. Renew us again in the passion of the gospel. Thank you that the gospel is still the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Come, Holy Spirit. We just pray for evangelistic fruit in this season. We pray there'd be so much fruit that we'd, we'd need a new building. We'd need multiple services. We wouldn't know what to do with all the new people that are coming in. Father, we just pray, multiply the fruits. Accelerate the fruit bearing in Jesus' name. Father, do something in the communities where we live. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Hi, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Guys, feel free to take your seats or carry on standing, being prayed for. It's totally up to you. One of the uh, amazing stories we heard while we're in New Zealand was about the Maori tribes, the indigenous people of New Zealand. And uh, many missionaries came from other countries to try and reach into the Maori tribes. But what they discovered when they got there is that the Holy Spirit had got there first. <laughs> and the Maori tribes, numbers of years ago, had such a mighty revival. It was set up to half of the tribes came to Christ right across New Zealand. And it was an incredible sovereign move of God's Spirit. And as white men and women arrived from Europe, they just realized that Jesus had already gone before them. <laughs> I tell you, wouldn't you love to see that again? <laughs> if you turned up to work and Jesus has already turned up there. <laughs> He got there before you did. Before you punched in at 8.30, Holy Spirit had already arrived. Wouldn't you love that? I tell you what, revival just continues to bear fruit. I was reading this week about what happened 500 years ago with Martin Luther, who freshly rediscovered the gospel of grace. And he rediscovered this truth that we're actually not loved because we're attractive. We're attractive because we're loved already. We are first loved by the Father. And actually, we get into the kingdom not through penance or confessional or by having the right paraphernalia in your house. You get into the kingdom by believing in Jesus because Jesus came for you. That's the gospel. And 500 years ago this year, Luther rediscovered that truth. What's interesting is numbers of years later, a man called John Wesley got converted reading the sermons of Martin Luther. And he discovered, I'm saved by grace. He was a professional clergyman and he wasn't saved. <laughs> but reading those sermons, suddenly the Holy Spirit came on John Wesley and his heart was strangely warmed as God entered his heart. And under John Wesley, there was a mighty, mighty revival in this nation that literally swept tens of thousands of people up and down this country. And John Wesley, his very last letter he wrote to a man called William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was one of the great social reformers in this nation. He was the man that campaigned for the abolition of the slave trade right across the British Empire. And shortly before his death, the bill was passed for the abolition of the slave trade. John Wesley's last letter was to William Wilberforce saying, mercy is consistent with the gospel. Slaveholding is an ill that must be stopped. Keep going, Mr. Wilberforce. God is with you. Isn't that amazing? And William Wilberforce, at his funeral, one of the men that attended the funeral of William Wilberforce was Lord Shaftesbury. Lord Shaftesbury was again one of the greatest Christian social reformers this nation has ever seen. He campaigned for workers' rights. He was the one that stopped children going up and down chimneys in this nation. He was the one that uh, began to campaign for penal reform in the prisons. He was an incredible social reformer that loved Jesus. Can you see the connection between these things? When God moves, whether it was 500 years ago in Luther or John Wesley or William Wilberforce or Lord Shaftesbury or Marco Weening, I tell you what, the seed of revival continues because faith always outlasts us. <laughs> faith outlasts us. And when a seed of faith is planted in a community, anything can happen. So this church got birthed off the back of the work of John Bunyan in this town. 
It's a direct, a direct outflow of John Bunyan. John Bunyan was also a man who got saved reading John, Martin Luther's sermons. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I tell you what, there is so much more on offer. And as we go through our series in Acts together, I want to encourage you to read Acts not as a history lesson, but as an invitation from the Father. You know, so often we struggle with our sense of expectation and dreaming because what we tend to do, particularly as we get older, is that we tend to downsize our dreams to accommodate our current level of experience. But actually, when you're a Christian, the Word of God won't let you stay in that place. Because the Word of God is a living invitation to elevate your expectation to what you read of in this book. This is an invitation into something. It's a launch pad into more. Because the greatest days of the church aren't behind us, they're ahead of us. Do you know the reason we're doing 25th celebration is not so we can get all nostalgic. Is so that we can thank God for what's gone before, but we can pray in what's ahead. So we can say the greatest days of this church are to come. Father, thank you for your faithfulness in the past. Will you do more in our future? The greatest days are still to come. And so as we go through this, make this study in Acts of Prayer. Father, let the greatest days of this church come in our future bring revival, do something which will be talked about in 500 years' time. Plant a seed now which will still be changing nations then. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you have got a Bible, you might want to turn to Acts in chapter 5. And um, we are following the story through in Acts of the Apostles. And I was very grateful to Paul Johnson who covered Ananias and Sapphira last week. One of the blessings of putting the uh, sermon rotor together is that you can give the difficult passages to other elders. So, uh, PJ, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, And I hope you found that helpful. And interestingly, after that moment, that kind of sobering, God-fearing moment in the life of the early church, the church just continues to blossom and grow. And this is what we read in Acts uh, Acts 5, verse 12. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. I just want us to pause there just for a moment. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Now, the the figures that will come up again and again in the pages of Acts are the apostles. The apostles were men that Jesus had handpicked, had coached, had trained. He chose 12 of them during his lifetime. He poured all his wisdom into these 12 guys. And the idea was, as he went back to the Father, they would carry on what they'd seen in Jesus. They were the cultural architects of the New Testament. They were the ones that were creating the kind of community we were now going to be as the church. And what the apostles particularly did was take new ground, but also create heaven's culture in that new ground. You understand it's not just enough to take territory. Also, once you've got that territory, you need to create a bit of heaven in that place. Does that make sense to you? And that's what the apostles did. They were the cultural architects who broke into new ground of the gospel. But then wherever they went, they would start new churches as places and resting places of God's very presence. And one of the key apostolic foundation stones that was laid in the life of the early church was a right paradigm of God's power. 
power was incredibly important to the early apostles. And that's why we read here that they performed many signs and wonders amongst the people. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And the expectation in the apostolic atmosphere of the early church was that we are a people of God's presence and power. We are not just a social club that likes to sing nice songs. We are not just a, a people that has a great website and some principles. We are a people of God's very presence and power. That was important to the apostles. Why was that so important? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So the apostles were concerned that people don't look to us for their answers, but they're connected to God. And the reason that we're a people of his power and presence is that we might understand our resource is from him. We are a people of his presence, called by his glory, for him. And so they laid this foundation stone of the power of God. Apostolic order without apostolic power is not to be trusted. Apostolic order without apostolic power is not to be trusted because ultimately it's no point having a wineskin if you don't have any wine. <laughs> Jesus said, listen, I am pouring out new wine. Make sure you don't put this new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, you'll lose the new thing that I'm pouring out. Create the right wineskin for the new wine that I'm pouring out. He was talking about have the right structures, thinking, priorities, processes, mentality. Get the right structures in place. But listen, the structure is not the thing that's really important. The wine is. <laughs> And the very best wineskin makers are those who remember to drink the wine. In other words, you've got to be able to recommend to other people what you are enjoying yourself. It's so important. And when you read Acts, you get this picture of this organic power and life of God that's at work amongst God's people. And the apostles are kind of playing catch up, creating the wineskin around the life. We often do the opposite. We create the organization before we have the life. One of the things that God wants to restore to the church is this sense of glory and power and his life amongst his people. Wouldn't it be awesome if from the moment that people were birthed into the kingdom in this church, they came into a community with an expectation for God's power to show up. You know, a friend of mine who's a Methodist minister he uh, was dragged along to, by his wife to church many, many years ago. And he went kind of kicking and screaming, didn't want to go. But his wife's like, no, let's go to church. Let's go to church. So they turned up to church. He was just sitting there kind of minding his own business, looking at his watch. Maybe some of you are doing that right now. Um, he was kind of thinking, gosh, I hope this thing's over soon. But then the, the minister began to preach about Jesus. And this guy, he came under such a powerful conviction that he was a sinner and needed to be saved by Jesus. He began to feel physically sick in his seat to the point where he thought, am I getting ill? I feel like I'm going to throw up. And eventually the, the sense of God's power on him and conviction got so great that he went outside and he did throw up. He then went home and he gave his life to Christ immediately. <laughs> 
because he'd had an encounter with a person. He had an encounter with power in the community. He woke up the next day and he began to read his Bible for the first time. And he read that passage in Psalms where it says, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now he thought everything in the Bible was literal. So he went out for his dog walk after reading his Bible that morning. He went past some trees and he thought, okay, I'm going to give this God thing a go. And he pointed at the trees and he said, clap your hands. And nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. And suddenly he felt incredibly foolish. He thought, oh gosh, you know, have I made a mistake? Is this Jesus thing really real? And he kind of walked off a little bit despondent. But as he was walking home, he came across a sheep with a broken leg on the path. And instantly as he saw this sheep, he heard a voice in his head saying, now ask me for something more worthwhile. <laughs> and so he looked at the sheep and he said, get up and walk. And instantly its legs straightened, it got up and it ran off. <laughs> With my friend not far behind it. <laughs> you know, an expectation of power is normal Christianity. That should be normal, that in the church, people encounter a living God in power. It's word and deed. We've got to return the show and tell culture back to the church. You know, that's, that was what was happening in the New Testament. It was a show and tell culture. You know, kindergarten in the States, you have this kind of show and tell thing. You bring something in and you tell people about it. So often in the church, we have much more tell than we have show. And that's not biblical Christianity. Christianity is show and tell. Now, I remember walking around Asda once years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and uh, there was this salesman selling the sharpest knife in the world. Now, I, I don't usually go in for kind of sales things. I kind of usually just walk past and kind of, kind of poo-poo it a bit. But I kind of walked past this guy, and I stopped in my tracks because I heard him say, he had one of those kind of Brittany mics on like this, and he was like, I am now going to chisel through this knife with the sharpest knife in the world. And that stopped me in my tracks. And he had a little kind of group of people around him, and he had this hammer with this steel tip, and he got this kitchen knife and started to saw through the, the, the kind of tip of the hammer. That got my attention, and I bought three knives after that. Three. Not one, not two. I bought three knives. Why? Because of the power of show and tell. I never would have stopped in my tracks had I not seen that hammer and him soaring through. I thought, I've got to have one of those. My life is not complete unless I have one of those things. So I bought three. This is the show and tell culture of the New Testament. And the apostles were, were so keen to lay down this as a foundation in the early church. That order does not exist unto itself. We are a people of his presence and power. That word power in the New Testament is the word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It turns up 120 times in the New Testament. Power is a big deal in the New Testament. The power of God. Smith Wigglesworth said, the power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. Aren't you longing for a bit more dynamite, a bit more Holy Spirit dynamite in the church? I wonder whether some of you have got just a little bit bored. Maybe you've just kind of clicked onto autopilot. I've done that many times through my life where I've suddenly had to check my heart and thought, I am turning up to church with zero expectation. What's wrong with me? 
if you're turning up with zero expectation, maybe the Holy Spirit's wanting to change something in you. Bill Johnson says that the greatest, the greatest block to revival in the United Kingdom is unresolved disappointment. So often the reason that we struggle to expect God for what we read in Scripture is that we're offended with God. We got disappointed. God didn't do something that we felt he should. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit's just putting his finger on some things in your heart. Some things that you need to deal with. It's time to believe God for dynamite power. I once uh, spent 10 weeks with a friend of mine. He was a young person in my youth group that I was leading. And he phoned me up one day because numbers of his friends were getting baptized. And he said, Phil, I can't get baptized. I said, oh, why not? What's wrong? He said, I'm not a Christian. And he said, I've been in church for, I've grown up in this church. Everyone thinks that I'm a Christian, but I'm not. And I don't know what to do. All my friends are getting baptized, but I know that I can't. I said, oh, mate, I said, I'll come round. Would you be willing to spend some time? I can come, we can chat, we can pray. He's like, yeah, please. And so I went round to his house every Wednesday evening for 10 weeks. And we did little Bible studies together. We kind of went through a mini alpha course. He was quite an intellectual fellow. He had lots of questions about the meaning of life and why is there suffering and where is God in this? What about creation? He was quite scientific. And we, we kind of went through piece by piece, week after week, and nothing shifted in his heart. <laughs> and after 10 weeks, I'm like, I've shot all my bullets. I've got nothing left. <laughs> Jesus, please, I need a heavenly strategy. I need some dynamite here. I need some power. This guy needs to meet you face to face. And I felt Holy Spirit say, show him the Jellyfish Man video. Show him the Jellyfish Man video. Now, the Jellyfish Man video is the story of a guy called Ian McCormack who got stung by five box jellyfish. Now, if you get stung by one, you're dead. He got stung by five. And he basically went into a coma. He died on the operating table. He had an out-of-body experience where he went to heaven. He went to hell. And God gave him the choice about whether he would come back or not. He said, yes, I'd love to go back. I want to go and tell my family about Jesus. It's an incredible story. Literally a man who was dead and then came back to life. And so the Holy Spirit said, show him that video. <laughs> And so one evening, one Wednesday night, I said, right, Matt, we're going to watch a different video tonight. We're going to do something different. And we put it on, and he watched this story of this encounter. And at the end of it, I, I looked at him, and I, I just knew he was going to get saved. I said, would you like to become a Christian? He's like, I'd love to. <laughs> and he just opened his heart. It was effortless. It was easy. And it's, I remember going home that night in the car. I was fist pumping out of my window. I was like, yes, Jesus, come on. And you know, the, the 10 weeks that went before, they were actually really important. They were really important because that was about trust. It was about friendship. It was about what does the word of God say? It was about truth. But you know, ultimately, he did need an encounter with a person. He needed some dynamite power. And what I'm praying in our lives and in my life is, God, will you restore the power back to your church that the early apostles saw and lived for and believed for? This is a key apostolic foundation. And, you know, I've got another 10 points, but I just feel like we should stop. Because I feel like for some of us, the real journey is to start to hunger for more again. 
Some of us have just learned to settle, but I feel like God is wanting to turn up our hunger. You know, the most dangerous point is where you stop being hungry. That's the time where you should start being worried. And there have been many times in my life where I've thought, I just don't feel hungry anymore. God, please will you do something in my heart. I want to long for the things that you long for again. And I feel today that God's going to do some of that, even as we close in this last few minutes together. So the band are going to come back. Why don't you stand with me? And we're going to come to Jesus and see what he wants to do. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing together again in a moment, but why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord where you are? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the new wine that's being poured out. God, we don't want to get so consumed of the wineskin that we forget to be drinkers of your presence, that we forget to be lovers of your presence. Oh, God, would he freshly bring us back into heaven's courts? We pray, would you pour out your power again on the church? Would he fill us afresh with the glory? God, where some of us have got disappointed and we've, We've capped our dreaming. We've capped our prayers. We've capped our hunger. Father, will you unlock the wells again? Help us, help us to think biblically about what's possible. Come, Holy Spirit. Just wherever you are across this room, just begin to ask Him whatever He's doing in your heart. Maybe it's you just, just saying, God, give me a fresh hunger again. Just to ask Him, say, Father, I repent of not being hungry for more just to ask Him to give you a thirst for, for His kingdom afresh. If it's you know you've just been an automatic pilot, just say, Jesus, come and encounter my life afresh. If you know you just need an expectation that God's power follows you wherever you go, that God comes behind with you, just begin to ask Him in your own words, just begin to ask Him for fresh anointings of power in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.